Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler and this week's episode is a policy-themed one where we attempt to give you a fast-paced romp through all the various updates on the OAP, OSB, HFSS and DPDI bill. There are some government shufflings to cover as well as a brand new department and we've been busy refining our own lobbying and public affairs strategy and that gets a notable mention too. So, it's over to Christy Dennehy-Neal, the IAB's Head of Policy and Regulatory Affairs, who is joined by our Public Affairs Lead, Becky Worth. Right, well, I hope you're sitting comfortably because there's a bit of a saga here. What's going on, essentially, in terms of what matters for us is that we've got one new department, so the Department for Science, Innovation and Technology. This is where it's responsibility for digital will sit, whatever that means. They'll be responsible for policy and legislation in areas including things like online safety, data protection and competition. Then we've got one old department with a narrower remit, still known as DCMS, but they don't have digital in their remit anymore. They're just now the Department for Culture, Media and Sport. Handily, they don't need to change their acronym so they can keep all the branding. And that's actually what they used to be called pre-2017. So they took on digital and now it's moved on again. They will remain responsible for policy and legislation in areas such as media and creative industries, and that includes digital advertising. Right. So in practice, it means there's two departments leading on policy areas that directly impact us. Probably day-to-day that won't make a huge difference because even in all of those separate policy areas they've always been managed by different teams even within DCMS so data and competition and ad policy would have been looked after by different teams but it does mean probably we'll have to work even harder to get government to join up on those areas of work so that they think about digital advertising as a whole and it doesn't get forgotten about for example by DCIT. On the plus side, the minister who's responsible for digital advertising, who is Julia Lopez, has been given a joint ministerial role across both those departments. So they're clearly recognising that there is read across Mm -hmm. and they need to try and bring some of that coherence. So that should, in theory, (laughs) mean more consistency, more coherence. But that hasn't been a hallmark of recent years, even when all of those things were in DCMS. So I think still see how that plays out, really. And does it make it any easier? Sort of digital becomes a bit of an island, I suppose, when really, I mean, for you, it's probably in everything. So there is a bit of sort of centralisation going on here, isn't there? Or never a good thing, never a bad thing? I think it's potentially a challenging, I think, because digital and technology is really an enabler for every sector of the economy, from agriculture to retail and putting it in one department means there may be a temptation for some officials and some ministers in other departments to see this as something for DCIT. Digital is for DCIT it. and it's not for us. Whereas I think as people who are in the sector, which is very focused on tech, it's really important that that's seen as something that's vital for the whole economy. Why now? Why has DCIT been created now? I mean, you know, we know that digital and digital advertising has been dominant for years and years. Lots of people have talked a good game on it. Why is it happening now, Becky? I think this reflects the personal interest of the Prime Minister and right. his passion for the technology sector. He's very familiar with Silicon Valley and he's personally just very passionate about the role that technology can play in the economy. We've heard from Number 10 that he's in fact been told to 
focus a little bit more on other things and to spend less time talking about tech. So I think that's really positive. We've seen prime ministers before who've sort of given lip service maybe mm. to digital and tech, but mm. this time around, I think it's really been followed up with some really significant action. I did quite recall Liz Truss's take on digital advertising and digital in general. And I guess, Christy, where does this leave DCMS then? Are they sort of rear view mirror now? Or is it genuine, as you said, with the minister being across both, you'll still have as much interaction with DCMS as you will the new department as well? For us in our, yeah, in our day-to-day mm. policy work, DCMS are still remain really important. They are the lead on advertising policy and digital advertising. So it's their job to have responsibility for the sector and the policy and regulation that affects it, particularly if we talk about areas such as the online ad program. So for us, yeah, they're still a priority. Just means that we also have to think about how we engage with the officials in the new department. Some of those we have worked with before because some of them have moved from DCMS to DCIT because they're the experts in the, you know, the area that they work on. So, for example, the team that's working on the data protection reforms, they've just moved to a new department, but it's the same sort of personnel Mm -hmm. for now. That could change over time, but I think to start with, that's how it's working. Yeah, so it just means we need a slightly different strategy. There'll be some more probably doubling up, you know, whereas previously we might have engaged primarily with Mm -hmm. one Secretary of State and one Senior Minister. Now there's two departments, two Secretaries of State. We do have a Joint Minister, obviously, so that helps. But yeah, we'll have to sort of see how that plays out, I think. Tell me a bit more about her. I mean, we joked the last time you were on the pod we were talking about how many ministers that you've seen yeah probably in your tenure at the IAB tell us a bit about Julia Lopez what's her take on things knowledge level all that kind of stuff yeah I've been counting them up actually so the current update <laughs> is we're on our sixth Secretary of State <laughs> since 2019 and I'm going with that as the birth of the online advertising okay. review yeah. program our seventh minister but you're right Julia Lopez isn't a new minister for us she was at DCMS before in 2021 22 mm. she resigned during the Boris last summer. She then came back to DCMS but didn't pick up advertising, online advertising, that went to someone else. It's now back with her. (laughs) So lots of change, but she has been in the department for quite a while. She was working on, you know, responsible for the online ad policy and online ad program before. So in that sense, it's positive, I suppose, because she's picking back up something she has some familiarity with. But I think Becky's point is absolutely right, that all of these changes to government departments and to ministers have just kind of stalled lots of policy work. So you know, the team within DCMS have kind of, you know, got so far with the OAP, for example, with one minister, and then they left and then they had a new minister to brief from scratch. And now they've left and the other ones come back. So there's a lot of chop and change, which delays, you know, the work they're trying to get done, basically. Yeah, it kind of feels like that is the normal we're living in now. And of course, on the horizon somewhere, there's a general election as well, where, you know, there's going to be even more change. Mm. Maybe let's talk about the bills a little bit as well. And I feel like this is like key stage three revision for me. I'm slightly petrified, you might quiz me on some of these, but of all the acronyms, let's start with the OAP. Yes, this is the online ad programme through which the government is reviewing the regulatory framework for digital advertising to make sure that it's effective and it's fit for purpose and Mm -hmm. future-proof. So we're still at a post-consultation stage. The consultation the government ran closed last summer. The government's still deciding on its policy, so 
where it thinks changes might be needed and what they might look like. As I said, because of all the disruption within departments, they're probably not as far down the line on that as they might otherwise have been. So we're still waiting for sort of clear, specific announcements. The good news is that they do seem to have been listening to our messages and Mm -hmm. the indications that we're having so far about where this work might go indicate that they will probably focus in on some higher risk areas such as around protecting children or criminal activity which we argued for very you know specific harms focused approach here they've also recognized the need to support existing regulations such as the gold standard where that's working well so that's really good and they have also said you know that they value working with industry and they know they need to continue to do that as this work progresses so it's still a watching brief there but we're getting some signs of where it's going and broadly speaking they look you know to be roughly the right direction but the devil will be in the detail next acronym out of your sort of magician's policy hat the online safety bill Mm. osb so that's making its way through parliament at the moment it's being scrutinized in the house of lords it has very few provisions in it that are about digital advertising but i think regular listeners will remember that there's there are measures in there about how the larger companies that are in scope of that bill need to take steps to minimize fraudulent ads being served through their systems so that's progressing reasonably well i'd say given all of the uh, turmoil this is all the martin lewis stuff that that you know he was before select committee or all that kind of thing as well but yes. very big on on fraudulent ads yes yeah sort of scam ads and it's a, it's a big area of interest for all of us mm. we've done a lot of work on that ourselves here at the ib there's lots that industry is already doing there's lots that the platforms who will be in the scope of the online mm. safety bill have already done as well to try to make it even harder for criminals to exploit their services and fraud defraud where are we at with the dpdi bill dpdi bill well we're actually on version number two of the dpdi bill this but is look the, an excitement that the listeners won't be able to see on your face if Finally, version two. Yes, version two. Well, version one didn't get very far. It was paused for review, actually, by Liz Truss and her ministers towards the end of last year to take stock, really, of where the bill was at, see if they needed to make any more changes and improvements to it. That process has ended and it's now come back to Parliament. So, the, broadly speaking, the purpose of the bill is to update and simplify the data protection framework and make data work better for business. For us, in terms of digital advertising, there's a small but significant part of the bill that looks at the rules on cookies and consent, which are in the UK's e-privacy legislation. So looking at when consent is required or isn't, and also how people manage those choices in practice. So we've been doing some work, we've been arguing for functional measurement cookies to be allowed without needing to ask people for consent. They're not intrusive and it's just another thing Mm -hmm. not to need to ask people about. Longer term, the government also has an idea that it wants to get rid of cookie pop-ups to make the online experience better, which sounds really simple, but actually it's not in reality. So we're spending a lot of time talking to the DSIT team to help them understand what are the complexities, what are the interrelationships between e-privacy and GDPR in practice, what are the risks to digital advertising and ad-funded business models of making quite systemic changes to how cookies and consent work, because those need to be really carefully Mm. managed. There is more information on our site if you're interested. People can search for data protection and all our stuff on the bill will come up. But we'll be talking to MPs as the bill goes through Parliament about those issues. We had that brilliant episode with Gustavo. Eduardo Ustarin. (laughs) And that's just fascinating when you get into the world of what the future of consent could be, us not being part of all that kind of stuff. And then lastly, the one that got lots of notoriety at the time, which felt very knee-jerk, which has sort of been rowed back a little bit from, is obviously HFSS as well, which feels like we're a bit further on implementation 
Exactly, we are. This is moving along reasonably nicely mm-hmm. now. We were really pleased that we got the government to postpone the implementation to October 2025 because that's allowed actually the proper time right. for the nuts and bolts of it really to all be worked out. The government and Ofcom are currently consulting on details of how the ban will work and who will regulate it. And then once that's happened, the regulator, which will probably be the ASA, mm-hmm. can do its job of producing industry guidance so industry starts to see some clarity right. around the detail and what will be permitted, what won't be permitted. For our listeners, I'm going to introduce you to a new concept just to start getting familiar with it, which is the new online ban won't apply to all HFSS products. So within HFSS, there's now essentially a subcategory of less healthy food and drink. That will all be defined in the regulations and the guidance. And that's the set of products that the online ban will apply to. So more on that when we know it. And just think where we were when we did that. Remember we did that webinar within a day of the announcement. Yeah. We didn't really know anything, but at the time it was like, well, it could be everything. Yes, it could be yeah. your local pizza shop menu yeah. is going to be online, but it feels like we're in a far more sensible place now. Yes, I think government realised and it listened to what industry was saying mm. about the scope of the ban and then they decided to narrow it down to the the sort of products that they think are likely to have the worst impact when it comes to obesity. So yeah, yeah. we obviously don't, don't like the ban as a kind of matter of principle, mm. but it's good that the scope has been narrowed, yeah. yeah. Totally. We talked a bit about Julia Lopez, Becky. Who else have we been focused on? What other areas of government have we been talking to? So we're on a mission to make the IAB UK the most effective policy partner for our members and also to be a trusted expert by government. And a key part of that in the, it's less than 18 months, probably more like 12 months before a general election, although none of us want to think about that, (laughs) is going to be creating a group of parliamentarians who understand digital advertising, who can move towards being advocates for our sector. That's really important because despite the sort of delays that we've seen in the process around the OAP, some of which have been caused by bringing together DC and DCMS Mm. elements, it may well come, go through Parliament at some point in the future. There may well be a legislative process, if not in this Parliament, in the next Parliament, and creating a group of MPs who understand how important digital advertising is for the UK economy is really important part of that. And I think we have, you know, some fantastic strengths to play with there because digital advertising is the innovative forward-looking sector that the government really wants to wants to promote and digital advertising is also really important for many things that MPs who are increasingly going to be turning towards their constituencies as they seek re-election care about so things like local news digital advertising funds yeah. local news across most of the country so we're looking at putting together a program to reach groups of MPs who could potentially in the medium to long term become advocates for us and re- Regional news is likely to be one of the things that we focus on as we do a sort of programme of stakeholder outreach to them. Yeah, it's interesting, mm-hmm. isn't it? When the kind of the pressure comes on and it's re-election, you know, there is a lever you can pull there. I know when we did all of our work before around SMEs, you know, that feels like it's got some traction because you are literally talking about, you know, man in a van, small business who is in your constituency somewhere who you're going to be knocking on doors asking for votes at some point. Yeah, absolutely. It's really crucial for members of parliament and in fact for candidates as well as mm. they're selected for different constituencies to be able to reach out to different groups within their constituency and build relationships yeah. with them. The other thing that we're doing is also looking at how we build a really strong relationship with the Labour front branch. So we've yeah. already got, you know, the 
great relationships with government ministers. But the outcome of the election is really very uncertain. And so making sure that we have a really good relationship with Lucy Powell and with other shadow ministers is very important. So not just a, two, two, a new department to go for, but, you know, two two parties to talk to as well. I mean, so the yeah. job is quadrupling. What fun for uh, the policy team at the IB. I wonder as well, much was made mm-hmm. of growth then. It has been the word recession is being used less and less. I wonder if there is that link between growth and digital advertising. I mean, even in our own sense around ad spend that we see growing, but it is a means by which it kind of promotes this UK brand and what we can export and all that. It feels like a positive thing, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's really positive and it's really important on a sort of macro level Mm. for the UK economy as a whole, for UK PLC, but it's also important on a micro level in individual constituencies and in regions because it's enabling small and medium-sized businesses to reach their customers. So it's a really good story because it's got a sort of big and a small element to it. Just touching on Labour, Christy, we did some MP polling pretty recently. What were the key differences though between current government Conservatives and how Labour think, say, do about policy, that kind of thing. There certainly were, yes. You know, in, in some areas, there's not much difference between kind of views by, based on political party affiliation, you know, it comes to sort of general questions. But one of the most interesting ones was when we kind of probed a little bit more on sort of approaches to regulation and what MPs think are the sort of the most appropriate approaches. And particularly when it comes to sort of self-regulation, there's a stark difference where, you know, there is a degree of active support from that amongst the Conservative MPs that we polled, whereas there is a strong degree of active opposition to that sort of approach from the Labour MPs. I think we would have probably predicted there would be a difference but the level of the difference and the kind of active you know position against self-regulation was really quite interesting to see Mm. I think partly you know there's a lot of misunderstandings about what self-regulation means particularly in the kind of a tech world I would say and so part of the work that we're doing and that Becky's leading on is trying to position sort of industry-led regulation in the right way so that people understand what it actually means and they realise the value that it has. It's not about marking your own homework. It's about industry experts coming up with standards that really work for industry rather than trying to manage everything through legislation, which is slow and clunky and inevitably never quite gets it right, especially, you know, when you're looking at detail. So that is also part of what we're doing. It's been something we've, you know, it's been ongoing for some time, but I think the kind of the stakes are getting higher with that. And I think just to build on what Christy said, despite the sort of apprehension that we might see amongst some Labour MPs about self-regulation, the message that we're hearing from the Labour front bench and from Keir Starmer and John Muir, our chief executive, was at a breakfast with Keir Starmer this morning, was that we want to meet with business, we want to reach out with to business, we want to understand what business needs from a Labour government. And so I think making the link between the between the, the link between self-regulation and the benefits that has for business is really important here. Yeah, that's a really good point. Nice mic drop on what John Mew is up to this morning. I think this could be a regular feature, actually. In the, well, who's John been breakfasting with this morning? <laughs> Hobnobbing with the thing. It's always a pleasure. We never, ever have quite enough time. And I think you've done a wonderful job of romping through the various bills, policy and what's where. So thank you very much, Christy and Becky. Pleasure. Thanks very much. Christy Dennehy-Neal and Becky Worth from the IB's policy and regs team there. I always feel about 10% smarter after those 20 minutes with Christy and Becky and I very much hope it has the same effect on you too. Don't forget you can find all the latest updates, papers, 
consultation responses and lots, lots more on our policy hub. Just visit iabuk.com forward slash policy. And of course, you can find more episodes of this podcast on our site too, or listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you very much for listening. IAB UK, building a sustainable future for digital advertising.